Hi, I'm Martina McBride. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories. But you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart, and this podcast is not suitable for children. But then, neither is the music business. (laughs) So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. So we're happy and excited that Rahul Malo is a guest today on uh, The Shady Ladies of Music City. Well, I met Raul when he first moved to town. And he lived downtown in Merchants to Market Street. That's right. And I lived there, and Betty was there, and I remember when Anna moved in. Yeah. And Frank was there, your manager, That's Frank right. Clark. That's right. May that, he rest in peace. That one building housed the almost the entire Miami uh, contingency. It did, and it was And I really... remember listening to you know, hearing the Mavericks before you came to town. Somehow or another, Tracy Gershon, I think, came to my office and played me stuff. Well, she was going to be our publisher. And she did. She turned out to be our first publisher. Uh, was she? Yeah, she was. She was one of the. She was one of the 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 group of people that went down to Miami to hear us. Yeah, and in fact, she played it for me right when she came back yeah. from Miami. I can still visualize her sitting in this chair saying, "You have to hear, you know, this band. They're just unbelievable." And then, coincidentally, you moved into Susan's building. Yeah. And then, but what did what happened with the Tracy thing? Did it go to Donna Hilly? Yeah, she was at Tree then. Well, uh, Tracy was at Tree. So and were you was, with Tree Publishing? Yeah, yeah. That was my first publisher. And then you were on MCA, and James House, who I managed, was right. on MCA. Oh, uh, we have lots of memories Right, with and Don Raul. Cook was producing yeah. James House. And Don Cook was also producing The Lens. That's right. And I wanted and to she manage was managing The Lens. <laughs> Right, it was a small little coterie of music-oriented people. Well, Nashville was very different then. Well, uh, Hal Ketchum refers to it as the late, the, the the great credibility. No, the what is it? The great credibility scare of the early nineties. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> when music was really good. And well, there were some really great singers at the time, you know, and and I mean, I remember and producers coming up and you know and meeting Pat, Patty Loveless, and she had already been making music, uh, you know, to me, she I mean, she was one of the big stars at the moment, and she came to our showcase. Did she? Yeah, I'll never forget that, meeting her that night. See, that pissed me off that they didn't have her on the CMA show this year. <laughs> because she was like the real deal. She is the real she deal. Is she the real is deal. like the mountain singing girl, and yeah. she can sing her ass off. Yeah, and absolutely, and those records were fabulous. Who did them? Her husband. Well, Emery, Emery, Emery yeah. was her, I think, her producer most of the time, if not all the time. Yeah. But they didn't have her on the CMA show, Robert Deaton. And, <laughs> <laughs> I've told him that. Oh, I, you just did. <laughs> but I've told Again. him in person. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. <laughs> Remember how good those CMA shows used to be when Vince was the host and Jerry House was the writer? <laughs> well, there seemed to be a, a little bit... You know, Vince always had, because he's known as such a nice guy, he always has that that edge, you know, that, that people don't expect. So it's really, yeah. it's really clever, and he's really good at it. 
and he gets away with it because he's, he's Vince Gill, guy. but he's his timing is really great. And I always loved it. I I, I thought he was he was one of my favorite hosts that I, that I remember. Me you too. Know? And I thought my he did favorite. a great job. I, but you know, I can imagine it gets. You know, and knowing him, he likes to chill, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a lot of work. I, I can only imagine how much well, work that takes. Well, they should have you know? still have him, and they should have Jerry House writing it. Well, because truthfully, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood, as good as they might be in their genre, they are stiff as boards as hosts. <laughs> you know, that may have to do with the writing, also the times. I think they also, I think they just get safer and safer, it seems, you know. I would say that. You know, I wish they took more chances and, well, that's nice and had to, had, had, you know, that the show would have a little edge. But it's you know, never really had that edge. It, I it's mean, never really had it. It did and it I mean, to be, when and, I first started watching it. You well, know, there were always people that were left out that were really, always, really good. You know? you know, the people that didn't get played, you know. And but, I mean, that, and you got to think, like, that's, I just, I wouldn't even want that job. Like, I can't imagine the, the phone calls and the, the backdoor deals and all the stuff that goes on and the manipulations and the... Well, you and know. you know, truthfully, you know, your career is sort of a great example of that. You know, it's in spite of, of all those people. <laughs> well, not, not by choice, but... No, I know, but, but you know, look at you the reality of, uh, now is, you know, you're doing 30 years and it's been yeah. great and you have such, you know, an incredible body of work to be proud of as opposed to so many artists that we know that we can talk about. You and know, well, <laughs> their music is not a source of pride a lot of times. And it, it hasn't just, grown, and yours is, you know, like I can go home and just, you know, go through your little group of albums, and I can find them with you playing with the symphony in London and find you doing all kind of stuff, and, you know, not a lot of people are like that, Raul. No, you have, you know, you, you tried so many different kinds of things that you were great at, you know, and, and you were still willing to try something else, even, you know... It never mattered to you. It was always, yeah. you know. Well, well you know, I um, I remember the, uh, you know, in the early two thousands when, um, when I when I when the Mavericks first took a break and 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 I and I went and I went out west and hung out with Los Lobos and Steve Berlin and made these records with a group called Los Super Seven, man, and 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 really got into how those guys made records and I learned a lot. Steve Berlin's a great producer and those making music with in that group with Los Super Seven that that was really just a group put together just to make this record and it had a, a small tour and it got nominated for Grammys and it was one of those you know a, a critics uh, uh, you know all the critics loved it you know that but fans loved it the ones that knew about it really you know, people came out and they were, it was a great tour. Anyways. Los Lobos was graminated, yeah. nominated for Grammys a lot. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. They're, they're, they're a source of inspiration and, and we, we actually, we now, we're, we're, we're doing shows with them. We do a lot of shows with them do you? throughout oh, the year. Do you? Oh, we'll yeah. have to come. Yeah, we're playing the Greek theater with them in LA. Um, and, uh, and so we're looking, and a, and a handful of other shows. And so we always, we always do, and they're you know they're always they're always really fun. But anyways, getting immersed in their world taught me <clears throat> so much, and so everything that I learned with that, and then I did the Celtic connections and played with all these beautiful Celtic musicians, and and I think all that informs 
like the Mavericks version that we have now. And because really we we've kind of cultivated this thing that is that is independent, you know, and and really kind of self-reliant um and we can be as indulgent as we want to be because uh it's almost like expected and it's almost like the fans like they you know our, our fans are really are are I would I would say as devoted as any fan I have ever seen in my life, you know. They're they're a small but mighty group, you know, and they follow and, you everywhere. Oh yeah, they're fierce, and they uh, and they go everywhere, and they show up everywhere, and and uh, and you know, and, and and you have like the perfect career. You get to do nice. whatever yeah. you want. We get do. to do whatever we want to do, and 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 it's really low key. Like I, like I always kid around. Like I actually, I I love my kind, my level of fame. It's not too much. I remember seeing you at the CMA shows and. It was always, there was always a lot of whispering when you came in. You're coming to the Mavericks, you're coming to the Mavericks. Because you had such wild clothes and Betty and all the girls. And I don't the remember. Cuban was, contingent going through. And was Trisha then with Robert and I guess Holly, early on. Yeah. And everybody on. had wild, really rock and roll clothes. <laughs> and it was so great when you would come in. It well, was a big thing. I guess I guess that's a that's a good thing, you know, to do do that when you don't know any better. Who was it that we saw at your house one night? Was it Engelbert Humperdinck? Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> Engelbert Humperdinck. That's the night I brought Fred over. Yeah, and then Fred Thompson, Thompson shows up. Yeah, I brought Fred over, yeah. and he was just like in shock because everyone was smoking, and he yeah. was not a smoker, and uh, he was shocked. But there was old Engelbert. I thought you were going to make a record with Engelbert. No, he um, he was visiting his daughter, who at the time was uh, writing songs in Nashville, and that's how I got to meet her and and uh, through my friend Alan. And then he was coming into town. He had already recorded one of my songs, and so he was already a fan, and and so there was that you know that that connection anyways and so we just arranged to have dinner i mean he was a lovely man you what know? song did he record uh dance the night away really yeah funny enough of all the songs but uh that's the one it was a big hit in england so I, I i guess that's that's why you know uh wouldn't have been my first choice but <laughs> i mean but that's okay that was know? cool yeah it was re- it's re- so really amazing cool. the interesting tv shows that i'll hear your music on well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, something something shows up. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. We, uh, yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago. I don't even remember what show it was, but they played like a whole song of yours. It was the your end song. of uh, Dallas. It was the end of Dallas. The season finale played "Come On to Me." Yeah, and and, and it was and I just like a ten minute song. song. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you who did it: Anastasia and her friend Don Solaire. Yeah, yeah, the that was an ABC so- the show. supervisor for ABC yeah. did it. And they loved it. And I remember listening to it thinking, God, somebody had a lot of balls. They put on the whole song. The whole song, yeah. Yeah. That was a big, you know, that all that stuff helps, you know, uh, because you never know who, who's watching. And, and, uh, and so it, it was cool. I mean, it, I wish we had more of it, you know, because uh, they're, they're, um, they're, they're one of the few avenues that artists have to, Get their music across anymore and so to land on a tv show or as big as the redo of dallas yeah any on anything 
you know, because, you know. Well, you hear so much great music now on TV shows yeah. and commercials But they never back stuff. announce anything, so you never know what the well, fuck it's is going on. Well, it's a TV no, commercial. No, you got to wait, yeah. <laughs> and you, even if you look but at But I've the, actually done it. I've Googled, you know, whatever the product you have apps. is. You have and, apps. You know, like yeah, Shazam. My boys, yeah. yeah they, they, they Shazam a lot of stuff and find out I what it too. is. I do, too. Yeah. So let's talk about... How, when our relationship with Raul got real serious. Well, it was a big career, you know, uh, turn for him, a, di a different kind of development. Although I, I should say that never in my long history of uh, knowing you did I ever represent the Mavericks or you no. or anything. So that's really kind of interesting. Well, we were looking to do something really different, and we kept talking about how it would be so cool to do an album of Spanish songs for children yeah. because there are so many different Spanish nationalities, Puerto Rican, Cuban. And also there were so many Spanish people, you know, who, who are now living in the United States, and our idea was that, you know, so many... Um, <clears throat> You know, Latin families have like an aunt or, you know, a grandmother that lives at home and she knows certain songs and that they, she wants her children to know these songs. So we thought. We thought that, you know, who did we know that could do this? And <laughs> Raul was like the only Spanish person. That we knew. <laughs> when we came up with this title. And we thought he could find Spanish kids that could sing these right. things. We didn't actually expect that Raul would have to sing it all. So we came up with this idea to do this album called El Cancioneria de la Familia, The Songs of the Family. Yeah. And Raul the family would, songbook. Family yeah. songbook. And Raul was going to, we were going to find these kids, and Raul was going to teach them to sing the songs. <laughs> and, you know, we finally worked hard, and Betty has lovely and talented wife, wherever she is, was going to do the songbook with all the drawings of the flags from the Because we were going to telemark it, this record, and we were going to offer the CD and a songbook, well, you know, an illustrated we, songbook. How we got into the telemarketing is we were friendly with Malico, which is a big... Right. Uh, blues label. A blues label that has... Uh, uh, what's the name of the big place in... The, where they record everything, the studios down there. Uh, in Jackson. Or, uh, yeah, but what's the Muscle name? Shoals? Muscle, Muscle Shoals. Shoals. They yeah. own Muscle Shoals. But we also did publicity. They had Little Milton, well-known, and Bobby Blueland, <laughs> another well-known, and Dorothy Moore and Johnny Taylor and all these people, and I somehow got very involved with them. And then they started buying all the gospel catalogs in the country, and they now have the biggest gospel catalog in the United yeah. States, Savoy and all that. So when we told them that we were going to do this, they, of course, you know, said, well, you know, we'll partner with you. <laughs> the famous last words. Right. <laughs> That's what BMG uh... said to us with George. We'll partner with you. That normally means they make $100 and you make $1. Right. So that's, they that's the, that's the record business partnership. <laughs> and we did it with BMG and Joe Galante. Oh, we'd love to partner with you. And then but sure. we all had the same attorney. So how, how could this work that we could make money? Well, believe me, it didn't work. Yeah, right. So <laughs> that's we, how it worked. We went down to, to Muscle Shoals to see them and they... You know, they told us, well, this is a great idea. We'll partner with you. And uh, the thing is that you need to telemarket this. You need to buy, whoops, you need to buy uh, time on like uh, Univision or whatever. Well, Tele there's another one. Telemundo. 
Telemundo. So we right. started watching those stations religiously, I did. And we, you know, you find re remnant time. But long before we got to that point, yeah. we had to make the record and roll committed to doing this and it just turned into a nightmare i have to believe you know and he ended up oh it wasn't so bad he it had his whole family <laughs> singing on it his sister who was well, never a singer there all were of no sudden, kids in the, town that knew any spanish songs well and that was the thing it's like first of all a i mean where am i going to find the kids plus have you heard <laughs> kids singing it's terrible. It's terrible. It's <laughs> awful. I mean, well, when, in, in talking about that record, I started thinking like, because we remember when we were listening, comparing like, you know, listening to other Spanish albums that were yeah. Oh, were we went and bought tons of Spanish albums, and they were the awful. The one thing they had the, the, the they had in awful. common was how awful they were. We went to every mm -hmm. record store in town that had Spanish records, yeah. which were none. And part of it was the the kids are just. They're just yeah. out of tune and they're not singers. And so Boy, it was like... Boy, for the days of Tower Records. And yeah. Raul had a studio on uh, yeah. Hillsborough in this little house. Yeah. Kingsbury. And it's like, well, if I could get my family to sing, they, they sing in key more or less. At least it won't be my voice the whole time. I'll have to <laughs> sing some things, but it won't be me. And then we had to look up all the songs. What would the songs be? And we had a ton of songs. Like, what do we have? Like twenty-four. There's like thirty songs. Thirty. Yeah, songs. but we had to find out if some the of them songs are like forty were public seconds domain or, or not. Right. Well, that was my job to call BMI yeah. in like Venezuela, <laughs> and no one knew what the fuck I was talking about about getting these songs. And, did we have the rights and who owned them? We never did find out. Not, and they all said it was PD. Everybody yeah. said, PD, PD. So I believed them. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it was all PD. It had to have been. PD, PD. So, <laughs> so then we made the album. You know, Raul actually uh, made a wonderful album, too. It was a two-disc set. Two-disc set. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, yeah. It really sounded good, and he had, you know, lots of great songs. And oh, let's not get Then we decided away. to, uh, we had to do our uh, our TV commercial to telemarket it. So Susan and I fly out to L.A., and we end up, coincidentally, renting an old Marilyn Monroe house. Coincidentally, we had to go on Telemundo to find a Spanish marketing company. Well, so we took the COD route. Well, it turns out the post office only tries to deliver something three times. Well, people work and they're not home. All this stuff started coming back and people started calling. And Susan, who had spent time in prison in Mexico, and we sort of thought could speak Spanish, turned out she couldn't speak Spanish. <laughs> well, actually, when we first got the CDs made, it was like Cinco de Mayo, and there was going to be this convention on uh, Nolan's, this celebration on Nolansville Road at this, I don't know what it was, whether it was a church or a school or something, and we thought, this is the best place to go and sell some CDs and get in with the Spanish community. <laughs> we so we load up the car, we bring the Jeep so that we have lots of boxes of booklets and CDs. And we go in and there's three people in the place. <laughs> no one celebrated down here. Cinco de Mayo was like no one knew what it was but me and Evelyn. <laughs> and Michael. <laughs> I think I think it was just ahead of its time, you know. I agree. I the, think so the too. idea is still a good one, and, it is. We and could the project rev it up. came out. 
I mean, it's better than, it's certainly better than any children's stuff we heard. Oh, absolutely. You know? and, and They were so awful, the children's they were albums awful. we heard. And, and we have some wonderful ballads that you just sing. <laughs> <laughs> what were some I of bet, the songs? Man, I bet if we sell them, I bet we'd sell them at Merge. That's we, right, we could sell them right now what on the podcast roll. Do you remember? Oh, hell, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. George took them out. <laughs> George took them out. Nancy and George, George Jones. Out. And they didn't even know what they were, but they talked. They thought they thought they would do well through Texas. It was on a Texas swing. They tried to sell them in Texas. I do remember though. I do remember doing soundstage with you guys. That was oh, fun. Oh yeah, that was. You fun. were our first artist for soundstage. Two are. I see a pattern. <laughs> You guys, a a, pig. you guys get a great idea. Hey, I know who we're going to call that idiot. Call him. No, no. Soundstage was like one of the oldest shows that no, PBS ever that. had. I loved it. You know, it was I a, played with the string quartet on there. Yeah, that was know? a great show. People still, people still tell me about it. Like Do they? the version of Let It Be Me and they they'll post it on our video, you know, on our on our Facebook and stuff and like it it Comes out every. You were our first one. Did you have your band with you then? No, I was alone. Alone. Yeah, it was right after um, that symphony record. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, it was right right after that. That's right. You were the first one we had on soundstage. Which is why we got the string quartet and all that. Do you know how many acts we booked on soundstage? One hundred and fifty. I remember. And then we had Tom Petty. We had. it was a great show. It was a great show. A really the great st- show. Joe did such beautiful shows and the quality of the sound on those shows. Except at the beginning, everything was blue. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> All the shows were blue. Heavy blue lighting. But we had great artists on there. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. We well, had- it was one of the few. It was one of the few because, shows. There's, yeah, that's why. Actually, at the time, I don't even remember another one. There probably was one. There wasn't any because as music far as like a dedicated music show, like an hour show, there wasn't. You know, we had everybody on there. We had that was the Dylan only game. Son. We had John Mayer and Buddy Guy. Sure. We got uh, Burt Backrack and one of those uh, Isley Brothers. Yeah, and then. The Mavericks cut the first song that Susan and I had publishing on for That's our right. company. We oh, sold yeah. that song too. <laughs> Was that uh, Born to Born Be Born to Be Blue? Yeah. yeah, with James House. That's right. That's we right. have a huge connection with you. And you're you're on your own label now. It's your label. Yeah, it's our well, Thirty Tigers too. Right? And, oh, that's and, it, we're, and we partner with Thirty Tigers, and uh, you know, and of course. And you're doing management in house now. We're doing management in house, you know, uh, because it it really it, it's just a different way of doing business for us. But honestly, it 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 works. It's well, it not looks perfect. like it's really working. I mean, you seem to be the happiest I've ever you know seen you. Well, he through. can walk. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. There's that. I can walk without pain right exactly. now. Exactly. That's a big deal. But yeah, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, you know, at this point. In my life, to be... You sort of know the business. <laughs> yeah, 54 years old and still be in a band that like that, that people want to hear and that people want to pay money to come see you play. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, I don't take it lightly. You know, I don't take it for granted either. And that's why you, you want to... You, you fine-tune it and you work on it every day. And every day we're... 
I mean, if we don't talk every day, we talk almost every day, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we meet more often than others because of course there's more pressing shit to, to take care of, but we, we meet and speak on a regular basis and, uh, <clears throat> and that's how we, that's how we, we have decisions made. We, we kind of don't bother with minutia, let them handle the, the, the minutia, really a lot of it. And then when there's big decisions to be made, we all kind of huddle and, and we, and it works, it works. And it's a small village, but it works, you know? It's, it seems to be working for you great. I mean, yeah. did you ever think you'd be at this age? With the same band? With the same band, <laughs> doing, you know, doing great dates and happy and getting no, ready honestly, to go to South No, honestly, that was my America. biggest fear. You know, it's like, it's like, oh my God, we're going to do the same shit over and over again. And it's like, there's no way. So luckily, you know, I, I, I have a band that is willing to go with the, with the whims and, and, uh, you know, we just decided a long time ago to let the creative lead the business, you know, and it works for us when you, when you instead of the business leading the creative, because then it, that's, that stifles the creative. It, all, it, it, it will. And so you have to let the creative lead the business. And, and I think that's a, better, that's a better model for us. You know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say try this at home, but it works for us. And, and you know, I, I- Well, it's also because you have a, you know, a really creative band that, you know, yeah. that likes to experiment and right. do things, well, Raul you know. really likes to experiment. Well, they want, you know, they go along with it too. Right. They're willing to, sure. you know, meet the challenge. Everybody's willing to, to, to go there and nobody's yeah. afraid to, 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 you know, push it, you know. And so we, we, we just do our thing and we, we have fun and everybody enjoys it. Thank yeah, you. and it looks, you know, and each band member has their own fans too, you yeah. know, and it, you know, it's one of those bands that, you know, you can really enjoy watching everybody. It's and, a bunch and of characters. Have, yeah. <laughs> That's right, it is. It is a bunch there, of characters. There's oh, a yeah. lot of and personality. And I think most great bands are. Oh, I, I, I always say, I'm like, there's a, there's a lot of ham, ham power on that stage, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up. And lighten up. Share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone. Because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing. Because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Joel Beaver. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Schaefer's he is also our engineer and editor.